Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of John. I'm starting a new series today on the Gospel of John. Now, every year, I try to do at least one expository message where we take one book of the Bible and we kind of work our way through it. Uh, We've done the Gospel of Mark. We've done Acts. We've done Ruth. We've done Jonah, Philippians, Ephesians, and Daniel. So now we want to work through the Gospel of John. So, you know, get your Bible, get your Bible app, Get a, a, a study guide if you would like or a journal. I have some free study guides out there at guest services. It's called the Lessons from the Gospel of John Max Locato. You can pick one of those up. So if you haven't really started kind of devotional journey or maybe you're at a stopping point, join us as we kind of walk through uh, the Gospel of John. Okay, it's going to be a great, uh, a great series here. Now, John... And the whole Gospel of John, he has kind of a a theme uh, and a thesis statement. It's John 20 and 31. It says, but these are written, talking about this book. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he wants to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah, but there's something else too. This just is an exchange of of historical accuracy. He said, I want you to believe that you can have life in his name. So there's a spiritual revelation that he wants you to get as you, uh, as you read this book. So not just a historical book, but a transformational book. And when we get through, I want you to know Jesus better and love Jesus more. Now, some of you think, I've been in church forever. I know everything to know about Jesus. You are wrong, okay? Every time you do a reading through the gospel, you learn a little bit more about Jesus. And when you learn just a little bit more about Jesus, man, you love him in greater ways. So if you think you're the Ph.D., you know, in, 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 in the life of Christ, boy, you're wrong because there's some other things for us to learn. So... Just at the beginning, so here's some things about John and the Gospel of John, and then we'll get into John chapter 1. The Gospel of John was written about uh, 80 to 95 A.D. It was the last Gospel that was written. So Mark started writing the Gospels. It's the shortest Gospel, and then they believe that Matthew and Luke came and used Mark as a source material for their books. I mean, why start over when you can copy someone? That was my school philosophy, right? So they just used it kind of a source material because the stories are very similar and the writing style is very similar, uh, even though they're longer books, all right? Uh, The author is John the disciple, not John the Baptist, not John Jesus' half-brother, but John the disciple. John was the younger brother of James, And they were called the sons of thunder by Jesus. I just think Jesus had this sense of humor, okay? He just called them the sons of thunder, these impulsive guys. So they were called the sons of thunder 
by Jesus. And John is the son of Zebedee, uh, uh, the fa- his father Zebedee, and his mother is Salome. Now, we read about Zebedee through the gospel. Salome, we only read at the resurrection story. She's present at the tomb. And John was one of the original members of Peter, James, and John. Remember, the inner circle. So what you're reading here of John is really an insider's view, you know, of of personal experience that maybe the other gospel writers did not have. He was raised in Galilee, probably the seaside town of Bethesda. He was kind of middle class. He wasn't necessarily poor because throughout the Gospels, Zebedee, he summoned servants, so it kind of indicates some kind of affluence. He was likely in the fishing business with his father. The Gospel of John has more unique stories than any other Gospels. As I mentioned, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in the stories they present. John has many more unique stories like the wedding of Cana that we'll read about next week, the woman caught in adultery, the prayer at Gethsemane in John chapter 17. So there's much more kind of unique material uh, in the gospel of John. And John has more theological teachings and explanations than the other gospels. And you're going to see it in uh, John chapter 1. So sometimes in the other Gospels, they just tell the story. John takes the time to kind of give the theological explanation about what you are about to read or what you just read. And we will see that. We will see that this morning. Now, John, you know, John is just a guy. And when guys get around guys, you know, our behavior is just a little bit different than when women are around. Amen? So, like, John... and. It, When he's writing the book, when he refers to himself, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, okay? The disciple whom Jesus, he doesn't use me, he uses the disciple whom Jesus loved, okay? He also mentions that on Resurrection Sunday, he outran Peter to the tomb, very competitive, okay? So don't you know when the other disciples are reading this book, and they're reading John, they're going, the disciple whom Jesus loved. What are you talking about? Peter's like, you didn't outrun me. You barely beat me. So he's just got this kind of, you know, kind of quality to him. So John chapter 1, let me take you to the Christmas story this morning. Everybody, we've only got six months to Christmas. Are you ready? I'm trying to get you in the mood, trying to get you ready, get your Amazon wish list ready. So here is the Christmas story In the Gospel of John, it is different than Matthew. Matthew follows really the life of Joseph in that lineage. Luke is the choirs and the shepherds and the stars. They discuss the entrance of Jesus. But John the Baptist gives a different, you know, not a different version of the Christmas story, but he tells about the, the person and the purpose of Jesus. Now, I told you he's more theological in his writings than the others, so John is going to start theologically and start talking about Jesus, his, his, his purpose, you know, and his person. Then he's going to come to some stories where he really dots the I's and crosses the T's on what he's talking about. All right, John chapter 1. Are you ready? All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, <clears throat> and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light 
of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, at the very beginning, part of John's reason for writing, there were a lot of people that thought Jesus was just a man. He was just a man. He's just a spiritual man, human, just like everybody else. So, John in his writings is trying to kind of deal with this a little bit. So he interchanges the name Jesus to the Word that has more of an eternal kind of purpose. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So uh, he, he reminds us in this passage about the person of Jesus. Number one, that he is eternal, he is preexistent. He is not only human, but he existed before creation. In Genesis, it says in the beginning, but that's only the beginning of us. There is no beginning for Jesus because he is eternal and preexistent. So he's dealing with that. Jesus, in this passage too, is also present at creation. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without, without him, nothing uh, nothing was made. Jesus is present at creation. Anybody watch Hometown on HGTV? Aaron Ben Napier? Anyone? Yeah, I, fi- I figured. I figured. I watch it only because Becky makes me, okay? But you know, when you pull up at one of their homes, like from the very beginning, the grass, you know, the flower beds, the porch, the exterior colors, they're unbelievable. You go in the house, you know, man, it's functional and it flows. I learned that because I watch HDTV. It's open concept, all right? But, man, the colors pop. There's security. There's safety. Man, when you watch that, there is just one thing that comes to mind that whoever did this is brilliant, okay? This is brilliant. So, he's present He's present at creation, okay? So when you look at the solar system and the wonders of the solar system, you got his fingerprints all over it. When you look at the majesty and the beauty of the the earth, man, he's got his fingerprints all over it. When you look at the miraculous nature of the human body, his hands are all over it. He's there at creation. Now, why do we get a headache when we eat ice cream too fast? That's a theological question I don't understand, you know. But outside of that, it's all good. So he's reminding him he's eternal. He's, pre, uh, he's preexistent. He was present at creation. He's not just human. And then he says he gives life and light. Look at that again. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now listen, over the next few verses, he's going to use a theme of light, the light, and he's going to weave it in these next verses. So I want you to watch what he does with this particular kind of of theme. We all get light and darkness, but when he speaks of light, he's speaking of Jesus, of course, salvation, redemption, joyful existence, spiritual understanding, purpose, and eternity. So when you see the word light mentioned 
in these next passages, you'll see what he's talking about. So he says, in him, there's life. There's more you know, than just mere existence where we work and we just pay bills. That, that, the, that Jesus brings a quality of life that we would not know any otherwise. That is a spiritual, a spiritual nature. Darkness, he says light. Darkness is the absence of light. It's the absence of light. When you're in darkness, imagination runs wild. You don't know what's lurking out there. Fear kind of emerges. When I was nine, my parents, they bought a, bought a house. It was an older home, and they had framed in the attic, and that was the bedroom for my brother and I. And that was the creepiest place ever. Not only was it creepy because it was the attic and the house creaked, but it had this access door that if you wanted to get to the uh, ductwork or the, you know, the insulation, it was a, we called it a trap door, you know, like had some hinges and you could get in there. And I just want to tell you, at 10 years of age, you're laying in that bed, you got your covers pulled up, you're watching that door because something's coming out of that door. All right? I'm... I'm 13 years old. I realize I can sleep with the nightlight on, and I didn't care. And you might make fun of that, but you didn't sleep in that house of horrors. But there was something about when the nightlight was on that I could sleep because darkness is the absence of light. And when there's light, there's clarity. Man, there's, there's peace. There is, there is understanding. I want to just say to you this morning, some of you are walking in oppressive darkness this morning. There's darkness in all parts of your life, but I want you to know that he didn't just sit up in heaven so that we would exist in our darkness, but he came to bring light, which is salvation, redemption, joyful existence, spiritual understanding, purpose in eternity. He didn't come just, you know, to, to, to comfort us in darkness, but he came he came to bring light. So he's there at the beginning of creation. And he's there through the Old Testament. And then we have 400 years of silence. 400 years, all right? The 400 years of silence, the time period between the writing of the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the beginning of the revealing of the Messiah through the ministries of John the Baptist. So Malachi put the period on the last sentence of the Old Testament, and then there was 400 years. And they didn't announce, the prophets didn't announce, hey, we're going to be taking a little break here. Man, they just went into a period of darkness in which the world began to tumble into moral and religious and political, you know, political chaos. For 400 years, there was no vision, there were no prophets, there were no dreams, there were no writings, there were no great spiritual exploits, only silence and, and, and centuries of spiritual darkness. Humanity is going, man, have we gone too far? Has God really, it's been 400 years, has God really taken his hand off of creation? Is everything we know about God now relegated to the past? But they were wrong. Keep, keep going. Follow the light theme. Then there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. 
Remember the light, definition of the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He, he came only as a witness to the light. Now at this point, they've already had the manger, the star, the choirs, the descriptive name. You shall name his name Jesus. He, will, he shall save the people from their sins. At this point, it has been about 30 years from Jesus' birth. Keep going. Remember the light theme. Watch what he does with it. True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the Christmas story. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was own, his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So, how did the world begin to know about the light that was now appearing? The 400 years of darkness is now over. So, how did they begin to know God used an eccentric, little-known man named John. And his one purpose on earth, prophesied in the Old Testament, was to tell people to prepare yourself for the light to come. So from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus had revealed himself after 400 years. John says, now is the time. Darkness is over. Light has come. Pay attention to his message. The end of the, the realm of darkness is over. And I just want to just say this this morning. If you feel like your life is hopeless and darkness has surrounded you and it feels like it's just suffocating you, I want you to know that the end of darkness is over if you'll give light a chance in your life. It's over. You see, like, we, we're a big DIY people in America. Like, now not me, I call people to do stuff, but, uh, but people like DIY, do it yourself. We're going to fix it ourselves, do it ourselves. And that kind of comes to sp our spiritual lives as well. Listen, we find ourselves in darkness. We find ourselves with our lives messed up, and we just feel like I'm just going to repair myself. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to pull this together. I'm going to get a little duct tape on this. I'm going to just try harder. But I want you to know this morning that spiritual needs have answers only in the spiritual realm. And you can try all that you want to try. You can give it your best shot. But the best way to get light and peace and hope in your life is to give up trying to piece your life together, turn another leaf, write another chapter, and bring broken pieces to the, the nail-scarred master and let him do his work. Darkness is over. He says he made the world, but they didn't even recognize him. They're standing there on the earth that he scooped out with his hand, breathing the air that he put in their lungs. They were in the shadow of the creator and they didn't know him. He came into his own creation, but they didn't even know him. 
that with, with, with the life that they are living in their body, he created their inmost being. He knit them together, Psalms, the psalmist says, in their, in their mother's womb. He came into his own creation, but they didn't know him not. And he said, yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Look at that. For those who did receive him, receive, like if somebody gives you a present, somebody hands you something, or it's an acknowledgement of something. So to all who received him, this, this person, okay, and then he says, and to those who believed in his name. Now it becomes a little more personal. It's the message of Jesus. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. It becomes a, a personal thing. So here's the story of Jesus that's out there, but when I believe it, I pull it in and I make it mine. Now this becomes part of my truth and my, you know, and my belief. He said when you do that, you become born of God, okay? For those who believed, received, and believed him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Listen, I didn't just join a club. I don't get a bumper sticker. I don't get my annual card. Listen, I've been adopted into a royal family. He's brought me into his own family. Man, I've got a new inheritance that's waiting for me. I've got a new family that's waiting for me. I've got a new last name. What I've done before my old identity is past, now my identity is known by my heavenly Father and by my Savior. For all who have received him, that he gave the right to become the children of God. And then it says, as he closes this part, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Okay? That's the Christmas story. All right? What a humble way for God to enter the world, okay? Because we know appearance and entrance are very important to my, our culture. I have three daughters. I pay a lot of money for appearance and entrance, okay? All right? So here's his chance. But with humility, he comes as a man, in a manger. He comes to a poor family, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We see very quickly, and here's what John's saying, deity and humanity combined in a humble way. And then he moves on. Merry Christmas. Okay? That's the Christmas story. All right. So he starts theologically, giving us an understanding of light. All right? Salvation, redemption, joyful existence, spiritual understanding. Uh, destiny or uh, purpose and eternity, all right? Then, then the story moves to John the Baptist. So let's, let's take two, we're going to look at two days in John the Baptist's life, but it's going to be taking the theology of the first part and showing application in the second part. So let's get to John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was born to older parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, okay? John the Baptist's father was a priest, all right, remember, Zacharias goes into the temple when, when God speaks to him about, you know, in, in Luke, uh, about the son that's going to be born. Remember, he's, he, he is deaf, I mean, excuse me, dumb, uh, can't speak uh, because of this. So he's a priest, you know, uh, serving, you know, in, in this 
priesthood. And John, his son, was expected to fall in this line as well. John was supposed to be a Sanhedrin, a Pharisaical priest, just like his father, just like his father Zechariah. All right, except John had this unbelievable experience with the Lord. Okay, John was in a priesthood. It was just in a different priesthood. All right, so John, he has this, you know, uh, God spoke to him. He's filled with the spirit in his mother's womb. So this is a man that is bold. He's a little eccentric. We'll talk about him a little later. All right, and he starts having this experience of God. With God, he starts baptizing people. Man, there was like a, a, a regional spiritual awakening that was coming, people coming to John from all over. You can read this in the book of Acts to kind of see the impact of that. People are coming to John to be baptized, confessing their sins, repenting of their sins. So this is happening, and the religious leaders, they send a fact-finding commission to, to talk to John, figure out what's going on in his life. Look at 19. Now, this is John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites, two different distinctions there, to ask him who he was. So they send this fact-finding commission here. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I'm not the Messiah. They ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? I'm not. Are you a prophet? No. Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Well then why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, Elijah, or a prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Then all of this happened on the other side of Jordan where John was baptizing. So they send this commission to John to investigate what's going on in his life. There's this kind of regional revival that is happening. People are coming from everywhere. They're leaving this religious system to come follow this eccentric man who is baptizing them. But I just want to say, too, that the Pharisees are looking, and that, listen, their own kind of, in, the, in this religious system, their own, you know, their own religious beliefs <clears throat> had become cold and stale. They had become very formal in the way that they approached God, in the way that they had worshipped God. Paul says it this way, it was a form of godliness, but with no power. And they were coming to find out what was going on in John's life. Can I just say to you this morning that sometimes you can look at the spiritual lives of other people and you can see God doing something powerful in their life and there's something down in your own heart that says, I am missing something here. There is definitely more. And I want you to know that's how God sometimes can provoke spiritual need and spiritual awareness in your own life by looking at somebody else and you're going, man, I'm missing something here. 
I'm missing something. There is something else that God is doing in someone else's life, and I want some of that too, all right? Now, just for a moment, John's baptism, I mean, it was... It was, it was a revival, okay? It's Brownsville, you know, and that's, that's not even a good description there. But it's, I mean, people are coming, hundreds of people, thousands of people. It is a regional area baptism. People are traveling to, to be baptized. Now, John's baptism was a baptism of confession and repentance. Watch me. It had nothing to do with Jesus yet, okay? It's just an, kind of an Old Testament Kind of cleansing, confession of your sins, and repentance of your sins. And people started coming to this man, and it was very effective. They are confessing their sins. He's baptizing, and this religious renewal began to take place, and crowds began to form. Let me just say something here about the importance of confession and repentance to God and to others. See, there comes a place in your walk with God where when the Lord begins to reveal brokenness and sin in your life, it should, man, there should be, you know, like some just brokenness in your heart or shame or sorrow when, when ultimately the light is turned on and you reveal, you know, you reveal your, your sin before God, okay? Listen, in 2021, we want a relationship with God without confession or repentance, okay? We just want to we just want to be more spiritual. You know, we we just we want to be more spiritual in our lives, but but we never talk about confession and repentance. We want forgiveness of our sins and restoration from that, but we don't want to ask God for it. We just kind of want it to want it to happen in our life. And I I want you to know and listen to me very clearly. Your first step toward God will come through the door of repentance. That is acknowledging your sin to God and a pledge to turn from that sin and lifestyle, okay? And if you're not willing to admit any spiritual brokenness in your life, then you'll never find the Savior of Jesus, okay? Now, you might find some spirituality on Oprah's website, but you will never know redemption and salvation. You'll never know the joy of being washed in the blood of Jesus till you come through the door of repentance and confession. It doesn't happen that way. We want to do an end round about this. Second Corinthians says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and no regret. So the closer you get to God, then you realize your brokenness and that sorrow of, of, of your relationship with God, it leads to repentance and then salvation and then no regret. Man, you're, you're thankful for what you have done. So repentance is the beginning of a person coming to God and acknowledgement of sin and evil in their life. And if we try to come without repentance, we create a problem for ourselves. If we try to find God, if we're trying to end round to Jesus and God without repentance, we create a unique problem for ourselves. We create a place where I'm in charge and he's in charge. Because repentance is when I make him Lord of my life and I make him number one. But if I'm trying to get to God without repentance, I've got this place where, hey, I'm in charge, he's in charge, okay? 
If I try to come to him without repentance, then, then I, here's the problem. I, I try to continue my previous life, but I'm trying to live for God at the same time. I'm trying to keep my foot in the world and what I was doing before, but I'm also trying to live godly. And I'm just telling you, without confession and repentance, man, you've created a unique set of spiritual problems for yourself, okay? That's why it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. So when we come to Christ, repentance is the announcement to God and to others. I'm done with my old life, and I now live for Christ. He is number one. He is my Lord and Savior. I'm going to leave behind the old world and the old life that I've had, and with the best, the best that I can do, I want to live for Christ and live a godly life. It only comes, it only comes through repentance. Okay? John's baptism was a baptism of confession and repentance. But it really wasn't Christ-centered. It really had an Old Testament flavor, even though he was pointing toward the new. Today's baptism is a new life and transformation because of Jesus. Okay, Today's baptism doesn't look back with just confession and repentance. But today's baptism, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we come up just like Jesus came out of the grave. We are clean. We are whole. We, we've had a spiritual renewal in our life. Just like Jesus was resurrected, we're going to live under the power of God. Okay? So there was a new, a new baptism that we have today. That's the first day they came to visit John. And then the next day, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's great. Using an Old Testament symbolism of the Passover Lamb. Okay? This is a, a phrase that's only used here. That lamb had to be perfect without spot or blemish in the Old Testament to be sacrificed, okay? So he sees him coming the very next day after these guys had visited him the very next day. Here comes Jesus to be baptized, and he says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can we just take a moment and just give him thanks that he took away our sins this morning? Can we just praise him? Lord, we praise you. We praise you. Can we just take a moment and just give him thanks, Lord, that you forgive our sins, that we are forgiven this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you came for one purpose in mind, Lord, to forgive our sin and to restore us. You didn't leave us in darkness, Lord. You forgave our sin, and we stand before you as worshipers today. Only holy and pure by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us a new chapter. Thank you, Lord, for your transformation. Lord, we thank you that you came to take away the sin of the world. And we this morning are recipients of your grace. And we only praise you this morning because we're whole and clean through the blood of Jesus this morning. We praise you today, Lord. We praise you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While Jesus was coming on that particular day, John the Baptist had been so successful in his ministry that he had some interns, disciples, whatever you want to call them, that were following John. Okay? They were, they, they were, you know, they were curious about what God was doing. So there were people, they were called like John's 
disciples, and they were, they were with him at the moment that Jesus came, and John makes the pronouncement about the Lamb of God. Look at 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, What do you want? And they said, Where are you staying? He said, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. The next verse reveals this to be Andrew, okay? Now, Andrew, there's a little quality that I want you to see about Andrew's life was that, man, he was spiritually curious, okay? There was something in his heart that just made him ask questions about the Lord or whatever. You know, he was just spiritually curious. He even found himself, even though he was probably from Bethsaida, he found himself connected with John the Baptist. Probably he was baptized and something happened in his life. And here's a guy that is hungry for God and he is, he is curious. So when Jesus questions them, he said, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come. And he went over to Jesus' house. Can you imagine going to Jesus' house? I bet there's no dirty clothes laying around everywhere. No dirty dishes. No socks thrown under the bed. Got the family Bible on the coffee table. Got the plaque on the wall. Choose you this day whom you will serve. If he runs out of wine, we know he can handle that. You come over for dinner, he doesn't have any food. He just needs a few loaves and a few fish. It's all good. What would that be like to be in Jesus' house? But you know he went over there because, listen, he was curious. See, there was a longing in his heart. There was a longing in his heart. So he starts with John the Baptist. But all of his needs weren't met there. Listen to me. So there was this curiosity, there was this spiritual hunger in his heart that he began to pursue, okay? All right? And it takes him to Jesus' house. And he's in Jesus' house all afternoon. Andrew is the man that we always dread, the visitor that will never leave. Jesus is yawning. The sun has gone down. But see, Andrew's curious. Listen to me. Because sometimes... You have these spiritual needs in your heart. You have these, you know, the, you, the, this, uh, these honored, you know, just the, the spiritual need. And he began to walk and he began to, he began to walk into that. And it started with John the Baptist. And then he finds himself in Jesus' house and he found what he needed in the house of Jesus. Every, every question was answered in the house of Jesus. I want to just say something to you. Man, if there's some spiritual, you know, like you've got some spiritual needs in your own life and there's this spiritual hunger, I want you to do what Andrew did. He focused on that spiritual need. He, he, went, he went to this eccentric man and was baptized, and that was part of the story for him. And then he was pointed to Jesus. I just want to tell you something. If you're on a spiritual journey, 
Man, if you've got some spiritual needs in your life, Andrew did this. He focused on the spiritual needs. Sometimes there's so much clutter in our life that God is trying to speak to us. Light is trying to emerge in our life, and there's so much clutter that we don't see it. Andrew was focused on getting an answer to his spiritual need, and he also invested time in that as well. If you, if you, if you're, if you, if you're feeling, you know, what, these spiritual questions and this hunger and there's just something more out there, I don't, I don't really know what it means. If you'll focus on that spiritual need and you'll spend time in that, I promise you there will be a spiritual answer that will emerge in your life, okay? Because when he leaves Jesus' house that day, man, He's had an experience with Jesus. And he runs straight to his brother. This excitement because the answer to his spiritual need and the answer to his heart, it wasn't just intellectual information that he got, but it was transformational in his heart. And the very first thing he did was run to his family, run to his brother named Peter and said, listen, you got to meet this guy. All right? So that's Andrew. Brent, worship team, you can come. And then the next day, he finds Philip. Jesus does. Light, connecting the theology of the beginning with the practical application here. Philip goes to Nathaniel, and he said, We have found the one that Moses wrote about, among whom the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael says, Nazareth, can any good thing come from there? Okay? All right? You see, Nathanael approached it a little bit differently. Okay? Andrew was, was open to walking down the spiritual journey wherever it led him. Nathanael was skeptical. Okay? He was skeptical of religious things, okay? Man, I, I've, I've heard these things before, you know. I've, I've seen these teachers come by, seen these religious movements. What's coming out of Nazareth, all right? Skeptical of religious things. Maybe burned, maybe he was burned by religious people or religious movements. He'd followed and it didn't pan out. You know, I just want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with asking questions about God. Nothing wrong at all. Everyone kind of comes to this in different ways. Questions about the Bible, questions about the person of Jesus, questions about God. Maybe something has happened in your life that has kind of thrown, you know, kind of, kind of broken the picture, your picture of God in, in some way. And you find yourself a little skeptical when you hear the talk of God and religion and in Jesus. And I say there's nothing wrong with being skeptical. Nothing wrong with that. We all kind of approach this in different ways. But skepticism is rooted in honest questions. What we want to be careful is that we don't move to cynicism. Cynicism is rooted in the negative and doubt. And it is very hard for someone who's cynical about everything to ever find Jesus. 
and ever find happiness in anything in life because they have this negative predisposition. Skepticism asks questions. And I want to say it is okay for you to ask any question of God because I promise you, man, he, he wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you are comfortable and you'll take the next step toward him. All right? So initially he's skeptical. What good thing? I've seen this religious, these religious leaders. What good thing there? All right, then it says, Nathaniel, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Like, here's a, here's a man of honor. Here's a man of his word. He doesn't have any guile, doesn't have any deceit. He's an honorable person. And Nathaniel says, kind of shocked. How do you know me? Because he'd never had a conversation with him before. How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Listen to me. Because sometimes in our life we think we are unseen and unnoticed by everyone. And we feel that way even with God. God's got billions of people out here in my life. He does not see. He does not know. He doesn't notice. And Nathaniel was moved because in the crowd and the multitudes Jesus was was walking with, he saw a man standing under the tree. And he saw him. Isn't that great? You don't have to have the greatest gifts. Isn't that great? Doesn't matter about your money, your your family background. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And this man who had felt unnoticed and unseen all of a sudden knew that the eyes of the Creator had been upon him and he knew him. And he knew him. Can I just remind you this morning, if you feel that way, and there's so many things going on, because God real, I just want to tell you, here is his promise. He said, if, I, if a sparrow falls to the ground, I know it. And if I know when a sparrow falls to the ground, I know what you're going through. That's what he said. He said, the, the flowers of the field, they are clothed in magnificence. But I want you to know, don't you worry about raiment because I'm going to take care of you. He said, and he, he's, he's, he's drawing in, he said, even the hairs of your head are numbered. I know every part about your individual body. He's not looking at the mass in the billions. He has this wonderful capability as God and creator to know every person intimately and to know what you're going through. He saw a man standing under a tree. He knows every question you have. He knows every question you ask. He knows every tear that streams down your cheeks. He knows the nights that you can't sleep. He knows the spiritual journey that you are on. And just hearing 
what Jesus said. I saw you under the tree. Nathaniel makes this great spiritual declaration. Because sometimes we just want to know that God cares. We just want to be assured that, that God, is, God is in our life. And then Jesus says, after Nathaniel makes that great declaration, he said, you believe because I saw you under the fig tree? Well, you're going to see greater things than that. If you thought that was a big deal, you don't even know what's coming. Very truly, I tell you, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. If you thought the little tree incident was powerful, let me get down into your heart. I'm going to show you something that's going to transform you. It's better than some word of knowledge. It's the transformation of the heart. Got two people that approached the light two different ways. One was open, asking questions, knocking on doors. And you got the other one that said, Hey, you're gonna have to prove this to me. And I'm telling you, he's gonna prove it to you. He's gonna prove it to you. Amen. In a moment, we're gonna come for a time of prayer. Maybe you're here today. You feel like your life is surrounded by darkness, kind of choking the life out of you. You don't know where to turn. Maybe you're watching online. You don't know where to turn. I'm just telling you, there's a light that will flick on in your life. All right? And you're going to, I'm just telling you, it's, it's not just a light of understanding. It's salvation. It is redemption. It is joy that will come in your life. It is your destiny, your, you know, your purpose. All of that comes into focus when you feel like, man, that, 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 that darkness is choking you off. I'm telling you there, there's an answer. There's an answer, all right? If you're here today and you're kind of, doing a DIY on your spiritual life. I got to fix it myself. I messed it up. I got to fix it myself. Give that up. Because spiritual problems only have spiritual answers. And you're trying to apply human will and ingenuity to a, a spiritual need that only God can fill. And you can keep trying to do your internal spiritual DIY project. You can keep doing it but you can learn like other people here. Hey, I'm just going to give up. I can't fix it. I'm just going to bring broken pieces of my life and lay them at the foot of the master. And I promise you there's healing through that. So just give up today. You're not the answer to your own spiritual need. That's human pride. I'm going to give it to the Lord. We've all, we've all just kind of done that. And then maybe you're here and you're like these guys. Maybe you approach God with an openness but you're not really sure, you know, where to go next, or maybe you are skeptical, you know, and that's okay as well. But I want you to remember this, and we're going to sing. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I promise you, those that follow him at this church would not just follow him 
because of the historical accuracy of the person of Jesus. It is the life that he has brought to our life, the hope, the purpose, the second chance, everything. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Really quick, would you just bow your heads with me across this place? We're going to worship again in just a moment. I just want to give people a, a chance to respond to God and his word this morning. If you're here today, just say, Pastor, I just got some things going in my life. Would you just pray for me this morning? Would you just lift your hand up and down? I just got some spiritual needs in my life. I see those hands. I do. Online, online, you can go, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I got some darkness in my life. I've got some, some things. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to work my way to the Lord. Maybe I need to take my hand off my own spiritual life. Let me just pray over you this morning. Lord, you see those needs today. And Lord, there is only one answer and that answer is Jesus. That answer is Jesus. And I pray whatever hand was raised, whatever need it represented this morning, Lord, I pray that they'll find their hope and their peace through the person of Jesus. I pray for those under suffocating darkness, oppressive darkness, Lord, there'll be a light that's going to shine in their heart. They're going to walk out of here and, not, and go, wow, that's just amazing what God did. Lord, I pray for those that are away from you this morning. Lord, they've strayed from you. Maybe it's questions. Lord, I pray. Maybe there's just some skepticism about you. Lord, I pray. All those needs, they'll just be met in you this morning. Lord, I pray. I pray this morning. I pray this morning. I pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing that in just a moment. Hey, but if that's you... As they sing, these altars are open. If you want to come and just find a place to kind of pray, talk to God, no judgment this morning. If you're online, man, let us know. We care about our online congregation. There's something you need to bring to the Lord. If there's something in between you and God, today is the day to kind of make that right with God. We're going to sing that again. If you'd like, man, come find a place at this altar this morning. And we'll, we'll be glad to pray with you. Come on, let's, let's sing today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.